Today we continue our series, God at the Movies, and uh, since it's July 4th, we're going to be looking at the movie National Treasure, and so if you haven't seen National Treasure, that's a fun uh, movie, and um, it's got Ben Gates, who is Nicolas Cage, plays the main character, and uh, his father, his grandfather, and his great-grandfather have been on a treasure hunt for generations, and uh, they've been looking for the great American treasure whatever that is. And so we see that in National Treasure. They're on this quest. And at some point, Mr. Gates feels like he's gotten some new clues. And so he re-ups his ante for himself on trying to find the National Treasure. And so the National Treasure movie is about that quest. We see that we love, as Americans, and I think in particular, we love treasure hunts. And if you think about it, many of our TV shows even today and movies have to do with treasure hunts in some way or another. Now, I love the show The Curse of Oak Island, and so that's obviously a treasure hunt, and there's lots of spinoffs on that, or there's the one Gold Rush, which has been on forever now. And then also, um, we have this show called Bachelor and Bachelorette. You ever heard of those shows? That's actually a treasure hunt, is it not? And so we have America's Got Talent and The Voice and American Idol. Those are treasure hunters. We're trying to find treasure everywhere we go. And so those shows capture our attention because we feel like we want to be in those positions. We want to be the treasure found or we want to be the treasure hunters. And so we're always, seems like, in some way or another, we're on a treasure hunt. Well, this morning, I want us to dig into Scripture and what Jesus says for us on the tre- type of treasure hunt that we should be on. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6 here in just a few moments. But here Jesus is, has a couple of stories. And one of my favorite stories about treasure hunting is there's a guy on his way from one city to another city. And uh, because he's walking, he decides what probably many of us would want to do is, I'm tired of walking, I'm going to take a shortcut. And so he takes a shortcut across the field. This, is, this story is found in Matthew chapter 13. He cr- cuts across the field, and when he cuts across the field, lo and behold, he trips over a big box. And he looks at that big box and finds it and opens it up, and there's treasure galore inside of there. And so what does he decide to do is he closes it up, and he runs, and he gets all the money that he's got, everything that he's got, he sells it, sells everything because he believes that the treasure that he just found in that field is worth more than all that he currently has. And so he goes and sells all that stuff, and he buys the field, and now he enjoys the treasure that he's found in the field. And Jesus tells that story to let us know and to remind us that Jesus is the greatest treasure, and that many times we come across that treasure, and what he calls us to do is to count the cost. What are we willing to give up? What is he wanting from us to enjoy the bounty of the treasure in the field that we've just found? And so he continues that throughout the New Testament, Jesus teaches on money and possessions more than anything else that he teaches on. So this morning, again, thinking about this idea of treasure hunting, when we count the cost, what are we willing to give up for the kingdom of God? That we believe, do we truly believe that what God has to offer us is greater than anything the world has to offer us as well? So this morning, let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verses um, 19 and following. And before we get into that, 
Jesus is in the middle of a series called the Sermon on the Mount. It starts in Matthew chapter 5 and goes through the end of Matthew chapter 7. And this is Jesus, as far as we know, the longest recorded sermon of Jesus. And so he's talking about all these different things, and these are practical lessons that he's given us about marriage, about divorce, about money, about relationships, all these different things. And right in the middle of this, in Matthew chapter 6, he stops and talks about money and possessions and what we treasure hunt. What should be our first priority? What should we pursue? What do we treasure? Verse 19 of chapter 6 says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. These are still today the items that we use to display our wealth. When you think about somebody who's wealthy, what do we think about? The way that they dress, they spend a lot of money on dress. When you think about even on the lifestyles of the rich and famous and different things like that, one of the things that we always want to look at is we want to see how massive their closets are and the amount of shoes they got and all the different things that they use to display their wealth. There's something about, hey, the bigger your closet, the more wealthy you are, the more money you have. And so even in Jesus' day, the things that you would wear would distinguish how wealthy or how poor you are. And so here Jesus says, think about it. Where do you store your treasures? If you spend an enormous amount of money to dress a certain way so that when people see you, they have a certain image about you. And we do that. We dress certain ways so that when people look at us, they go, wow, they've got money or wow, they're a part of X. And so here Jesus says, these things on earth that we pursue to display how we want people to think about ourselves. What are we pursuing? What are we after? Whether it's our clothes, whether it's our cars, whether it's our house, all these different things. And then even in the old days, they would collect stuff in their house, and they would have brick houses and made of mud. And it was easy while you were sleeping for someone that was a really good thief to dig into your house and to take your stuff. So you could have the best cast iron skillet in the world, and you wake up in the morning and that skillet's gone. Why? Because someone has dug through the walls of your house, walked in and gotten it, and taken it. And so Jesus says, all these things that we accumulate to display that we are wealthy, to display to the world that we have worth and value, are easily taken from us. I had an experience similar to this when I was on a mission trip to China. We were backpacking along the way, and we were trying to find a people group up along the wall along Mongolia. And uh, really cool time, really cool experience, except the moment we met a shepherd boy along the way, and uh, literally about 13, 14 years old, he was out doing the shepherding. He knew just enough English, and I could draw pretty good pictures in the day, and we were able to communicate. And so he allowed us for the night to stay on part of his property where he was shepherding his sheep. It was on the side of a mountain, and so we camped out. It was We were extremely tired, and uh, so we camped and bedded down for the night. Interestingly enough, the next morning when we woke up, our, our tents had been cut into in the side, and all of the things that we had taken as far as cameras and all that kind of stuff was gone. Thieves in the night. Now, listen, we were thankful that we were still alive, okay? But it made me think of this verse, of the things that you think have value and worth to you, and you put them in a place, someone can easily take them from you, and you not even recognize it. And you're thankful, and you think about all the things that we store up and how quickly they can be gone. Here Jesus reminds us that don't store up treasures on earth because those are fleeting things. But in the next verse, what's he say? 
Store treasures in heaven. Accumulate things in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, and thieves can't break in and steal them. And so this is an interesting concept, because when we think about heaven, we have this... I think many of us, we have this idea that we're going to be walking around in robes, or we're going to be glowing, we're going to be singing hymns, we're going to be hum, you know, we're going to be humming, and all this different stuff. But actually, Revelation teaches us there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and we will physically be walking around. We will be enjoying one another's company and fellowship together, but we will be in perfect harmony with God the Father. We will be in perfect harmony with Jesus. And so we will reap rewards in heaven. And Scripture even tells us in Luke and several other passages, there's five crowns that we can accumulate while we're here on earth, through the way things that we do and the way that we care for other people, the way we worship, there are things, rewards for us that are eternal treasures. Now, obviously, the most ultimate reward is to be in the presence of God, to be in the presence of Jesus and to continually to walk with them and have opportunities to literally sit with them and enjoy their presence. But also, there are rewards for us as far as how we accumulate the things that God wants for us. So store not treasures here on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. That your heart is tethered to the things that you invest in the most. Think about this. In the old days, we used to have this thing called a checkbook register, and we would write those things in. And you could quickly tell what someone treasured by looking at their checkbook register. Now we print them off online, and you can kind of look, and you can go, hey, listen, this person really treasures Starbucks. You know, you can kind of see where we put our investments. And this is what Jesus is saying, is I can look at your bank account. I can look at your calendar, and I can see where you invest your time and where you invest your money, and I can tell you where your heart is tethered, that your heart is tied to them, that you are weighed down to those things because of your investment to those things, because the heart is the center of our affections and our commitments. Our heart is what motivates us. And so if we're putting a lot of time and if we're putting a lot of money into something, our heart is showing that we're motivated by that and we want to be a part of that. So the question that Jesus is asking is, what are you pursuing? What is your heart tethered to? What are you storing up your treasures in heaven? So the first thing that he talks about in this passage is this idea of pursuing things. He gives us a kind of a heart exam. What is your heart tethered to? The second part that he kind of asks us to do an examination of is our eyes. How are we seeing the world around us? And he says this way, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your entire body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. So it's this idea when Jesus is talking that there's light that goes out to see what you're going to see. So if you're looking at a clock or if you're looking at some food or if you're looking at a car, you're looking out, there's light that it, that shows that for you. But then there's also, so there's light going out, but there's also this idea in those days of light coming in and that it illuminates your soul. And so that there's healthy eyes have light going out and have light coming in. That that's what a healthy eye does. And a healthy soul is attached to this idea of an eye. So there's this inner light that comes from the outside but also then reciprocates out. It allows you to see and discern and to internalize what God's will is for you. So a healthy eye. But then also on the other side of that, what is an unhealthy eye? But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And the light that you think you have is actually darkness. How deep is that darkness? So think about this. If you've ever been in dark, truly in a dark place, what is your response? 
you don't do anything. If you're truly in the dark and you can't see the hand in front of your face or you can't see in front of you, we stop. That's our natural tendency because there's a fear. We don't know what's out there. We just stop. We pause. And what our goal is, because we've experienced it before, is for our eyes to begin to accumulate enough light so that we can see, so that we can acclimate to the darkness, that there's enough light to begin to take the first move. And so here what Jesus is saying, an unhealthy eye is an eye that's in the darkness, and it's you're frozen for the moment because you're waiting for your eyes to accumulate enough light to acclimate to light, but somewhere along the way you give up waiting and you can begin to start moving and you think that you've received light, but actually you're continuing to walk in darkness and that you are going to fall, you're going to get hurt, you're going to get bit by a snake, you're going to go over a cliff because you think that you're walking in light, but you're actually walking in darkness. And a healthy eye gives us the ability to see clearly and also does it, it gives light to us, but it also gives us a single focus of vision. That when we see with a healthy eye, not only is there light, but also there's singleness of purpose. If you've ever had those things where you kind of kind of get things out of focus, and then all of a sudden when you come like binoculars or something like that, and it comes together, and what happens? You see with a singularness of focus. And so here what Jesus is saying is that our heart can be moved in different directions and tethered to different things, and our eyes can be distracted. That sometimes our eyes are looking in this direction, and one eye is looking in that direction, and we're in darkness, and we're trying trying to make wise decisions. We're trying to discern what we should be treasuring and what we should be hunting after. And we're going this direction. And all of a sudden this eye catches this and we're going in this direction. And we're constantly moving back and forth, looking for our own personal satisfaction instead of in a singular focus, moving toward the light, moving toward the things that God has for us. And he says, so tether your heart to the things of heaven. Put your eyes in a singular focus on the things of heaven and move in that direction. That's where safety is. That's where life is. And make sure that you're in light, not in darkness. It gives us a confidence when we move and walk in light. How about you? But I do not like walking around. I have some property. I don't like walking around the property when there's no light. And the first thing that we do is put on a flashlight, whether it's on a phone, whatever, because I don't like snakes and I don't like critters. And the last thing that I want to do is to find one because they got me. And that's the idea that Jesus has for us is the moment you step out, when you wake up, make sure that you are seeing with light. So he gives us don't let your heart be tethered to the wrong things. Make sure that your eyes are healthy. And he also says, listen, let's think about our hands and our feet. How do we serve? What are we pursuing? What are we walking after? No one can serve or submit to two masters, give authority over to two people or to two masters. For you will hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and be enslaved to money. This, this idea of money in the original language literally means your net worth, that you have this thing, I have to have so much money before I retire, I need to have so much money, I need to have a million dollars or two million dollars, whatever it may be, that we cannot be enslaved to accumulating a net worth or serve God. That where our hands and our feet go determine that. So if we're serving God and we're pursuing him, that our hands and feet will move in that direction. But if we're pursuing our net worth, then our hands and our feet will go in this direction. Again, what are we tethered to? What are we pursuing? How are we drawn to different things? Our heart, our eyes, our hands, and our feet are moving in the direction of what we pursue and what we treasure. Jesus is continuing on, and he says, 
He follows that up with why this is an important thing. One, because we're pursuing God, but something that you and I deal with every single day is this idea of worry. How many of you worried this week? Two people. That's awesome. That's great. The rest of you got to figure it out. We all worry, don't we? And what do we worry about the most? Money. We worry about money. Am I going to have enough money for tomorrow? Am I going to have enough money to go pay for groceries? Am I going to have enough money to go out to eat? The kids need clothes. The kids need shoes. Why are the kids growing so fast? I just bought new shoes, and now here they are. And so all this different stuff. And so a lot of life's worries are about money or how we're going to make it. And so here Jesus is talking about what are we pursuing. And he says, hey, listen, I want to reduce the worry in your life, and here's how you can do it. Don't let your heart be tethered to money. Don't let your eyes be solely focused on money. Don't let your hands and feet and your activities of your life solely be focused on money. Think about this. How many times have someone said, I wish that I hadn't have worked as much and had spent more time with my family? And why do they say that? Because they realize that their hands and their feet had been serving after money instead of the relationships that mean the most to them. And so here Jesus says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough to drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food in your body more than clothing? Here's an experiment you could even try this week. Wear the same clothes every day. You may want to wash them. But wear the same clothes every day and see if anyone even notices. You know, I did it a few months ago. I wore the same shirt on Sunday for an entire month and no one even noticed. And I did it on purpose just to see, hey, do people even pay attention? And we think we do, but we don't. And so we think about, hey, listen, I spend a lot of money and time and investment. I even heard people last night talking, hey, what are you going to wear tomorrow? And this whole thing about thinking about all this different stuff. And so we worry about the image that we portray to other people. And yes, at some levels it's important. I mean, we have appropriate things. But at the same time, we consume our thoughts and our pocketbooks with things that we think people pay attention to. But most don't even really care. They care that you got clothes on. And they care that you look okay and nice and that you're not dirty or whatever. But in reality, we're just like, we're just happy to be with you. Because look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. He takes care of them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? As a matter of fact, we're medicating ourselves because of our worries. We're taking heart pills. We're taking anxiety pills. We're doing all this different stuff. Why? Because we are worried about other people around us and what they think of us. And it does not matter. They do not care. So look at those birds. They plant, they harvest. None of that stuff can add a single hour or moment to your life. And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Listen, the most wealthiest person ever in all of history. He's blowing away Warren Buffett and Jeff Bezos and all those guys. He had more money than you could count ever in a lifetime. He had that much money, and he was the most beautifully dressed, and even he did not look as good as the lilies of the field. So quit trying. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, surely he cares about you. Why do we have so little faith? If you think about it, This passage is really about what do we worship? What do we treasure? What do we put our faith in? Our dollar bills say, in God we trust. 
But I think in reality, we put more trust in the dollar bill than we put in the God that we've put on there. So Jesus is reminding us that what are we trusting after? That the things that we put our trust in are, give us worth and value and make it, maybe think we think people like us more, whatever, those things are fleeting. But that God himself has eternal rewards for us. And do not worry about your clothes. Do not worry about if you have the coolest car. Do not worry about whatever. Just be content. Because if we trust that our dad cares about us, He's going to take care of us. You're going to have money. You're going to have just enough food. You're going to have just enough. The problem for us, for many of us, is how much is enough. And that I just need a little bit more. I just need a little bit more. And so we work ourselves to death. We worry ourselves to death. And the Father, our dad, is saying, I've got it. Just enjoy me. This passage here in verse 32 is very powerful. It says, these things dominate. The thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. In the original language is this idea of pursue and chase after with a longing because they need it to bring satisfaction and completeness. Have you ever gotten something that you pursued, you chased after it because like, I need this, I want this, and you get it and you open it up and you enjoy it for an hour and you're like, that's it? That's the image. That our neighbors that do know, do not know Jesus are constantly in pursuit of something to bring completeness and wholeness and satisfaction to their life. And so they're constantly buying stuff up and doing things and adding to people to their life so that they will have this fleeting moment of satisfaction and joy where if you have said yes to Jesus, you have that all of the time in the person of Jesus Christ. So why are you pursuing things that are going to fade away when you have the person of Jesus Christ. Your worth and value doesn't come from all those things. Your worth and value comes from the fact that you are in Christ Jesus. So he closes out this whole thought. He says, listen, what are you treasure? What are you pursuing after? What are you going after? He says this, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first me. Live righteously. Live in doing the right things, and he will give you everything you need. So the question for us is, how much is too much? What does it look like to be content in all of our circumstances? But you, you as his kid, don't worry. He's going to take care of you. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries, right? So some of you are already worried about tomorrow, or you're worried about Wednesday, or you're worried about Thursday. The Father says, listen, just worry enough about today. You and I get through today. Tomorrow is enough. Trouble, tomorrow's trouble is coming. Today's trouble is enough for today. So here's my question for you. What are you pursuing? What are you chasing after? What's your first priority? What are you treasure hunting after? Here's what I want you to grasp. Is that too many times we have a close-handed approach to life. It's like a toddler. Give me, give me, give me. And we get it, and what do we do? We hold on to it with dear life because it gives us worth, value, and purpose. We've hunted it, and then we realize it's only a fleeting thing. When God the Father tells us not to have closed hands, but to have open hands. Father, whatever you have for me, I will receive it. And whatever you have for me, also I will be able to share with other people. Father, whatever you give to me is not mine, but it's yours, and I'm willing to share it with those around me. 
and that that is a change of heart, that's a change of eyesight, that's a change of how our hands and feet are motivated, and it removes worry from our life for we are stewards of the things that God gives us. Whether we have great wealth or little wealth, whatever we have, we receive it and say, God, as you've given it to me in this moment, I'm going to enjoy it, and then I'm also going to share it with others so they can enjoy the bounty, because it's not mine, but it's yours. So don't worry, my children, because God the Father, our Father, is taking care of us. May we have open hands and seek after the treasure. Seek first his kingdom and know him and live him and pursue after him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just lift you up. And we know how quickly our hearts, our eyes, our feet, and our hands are drawn to other things. So, Father, I pray this week, maybe we, maybe we do need to go to work or school or play every day in the same clothes and just be reminded to remind us that our identity is not found in how we dress or whatever in an image, but that we are, our identity is found in Jesus. That, Father, our first pursuit, our first priority, our heart's affections, our eyes focused on Jesus. Father, I pray this morning that we would just ask that question of you. Father, do you do you know, do I know that you are my treasure? That I've counted the cost and I will give up all other things in pursuit of the field and the treasure that you've placed in the field for me so that I can for the rest of my life figure out what's in that treasure box. Father, we love you. We want to know you better. We want to fully comprehend the treasure that we have in you. It's in your son's name that we pray.